All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and welcome to the Monday edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where we've got a bombshell over the weekend, no doubt about it. As I have been predicting for some time, John Durham's investigation has continued to develop the conspiracy against the Clinton campaign, that there were multiple people inside the Clinton campaign seeking to create the false illusion that Donald Trump had a Russia collusion problem. We've got three big guests that are all going to react to that today. I'm very excited to have all three on here. Congressman Rodney Davis is joining the show. He was one of the early members in Congress who helped unravel the Russia collusion case, along with people like Devin Nunes and Jim Jordan. Uh, He's here to react. He also has some important legislation he wants to talk about. Then one of the premier experts on all things Russia and Ukraine, the former CIA station chief in Moscow, is here to talk to us today. Daniel Hoffman, he is a true expert. He calls balls and strikes as a career intelligence official. He has a lot to say about what came out in the Durham indictment and, of course, what's going on right now between Russia and Ukraine. And then rounding out the day is a former advisor to Mike Pompeo and Donald Trump at the State Department. Chiron Skinner, really, really well-versed expert on Russia, Ukraine, has a lot of sharp words to say about the state of the Biden administration's foreign policy, Russia, Ukraine, Jake Sullivan. That's a name we're going to talk about a lot today. Could be one of the most important names that we discuss today. Why? Because over the weekend, John Durham filed a new court filing, came in Friday night, and in it, he alleged that the computer executives that were working with the Perkins Coie law firm actually obtained data, DNS data, internet communications data, targeting Donald Trump's home, targeting Donald Trump's office at Trump Tower, and eventually his office at the office of the presidency. You just heard me right. Durham, John Durham, has evidence that the computer executives that were trying to come up with a false alpha bank story, the idea that Donald Trump had a secret communications channel, well, they targeted Donald Trump's 
communications. They got internet domain search information and other communications for Donald Trump's home, for his office at Trump Tower, and eventually the office of the presidency. They spied on the Trump White House. That is a bombshell, right? That is a bombshell. But I want to take it a little bit further because these new revelations are increasingly pointing to a very key person who is currently in power for President Joe Biden. That's the current National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. Back in 2016, he was the guy that peddled the Alpha Bank false narrative that Donald Trump had the secret communications channel with Alpha Bank. He did it in October 2016. He and Hillary Clinton together at the same time put out tweets in late October 2016, just before the election was decided, trying to pull this October surprise, a Russia surprise. And it's important for this reason. First, he is the president's current national security advisor. He's in charge of the Russia-Ukraine crisis, right? And the Ukrainian president over the weekend, Zelensky, actually called into question, saying, would someone show me this alleged U.S. intelligence about an imminent invasion? Because I don't see it. Now, how can our ally that's in danger of being invaded not know what the Biden administration's intelligence is that they're leaking in the media? Who's leaking it? Who's putting it out there? Who's been the poster child for imminent invasion, imminent invasion? Jake Sullivan, all right? So right now, Ukraine is sort of questioning Jake Sullivan's account of what's about to happen. But as we wind back, I want to take you to a very important deposition that a lot of people haven't focused on. This is the deposition taken by the House Intelligence Committee in 2017, so a year into the Russia collusion scandal. Keeping in mind back then, other than Devin Nunes, myself, and Sarah Carter, there weren't a lot of people who had unraveled the case. But in that deposition, Jake Sullivan made a lot of claims. Perhaps most importantly, he said that he really didn't know what Perkins Coie Law Firm and the Opposition Research Project was. He didn't stay close attention to it. The reason that is important is that the John Durham indictment against Perkins Coie lawyer Michael Sussman, one of the counsels for the Clinton campaign, says that Jake Sullivan was in, involved in a series of emails with Perkins Coie, with Jennifer Palmieri, the communications director for the Clinton campaign, about putting out some of the bogus information that later came out in the Russia collusion narrative. All right, so he does seem to know, and that seems to be in contrast. So we're going to ask all the guests today whether they think Jake Sullivan told the truth or not. But separate of that, there is a second question that he was asked in his deposition. Was he ever part of an effort to disseminate a false story about Donald Trump? I'm just going to read this to you because this is the exact words from the deposition. There are reports out there that relied on this fake DNC, Hillary Clinton paid opposition research to undermine Trump and possibly in the current period that we're in, orchestrate what some members of the media, including on Fox News, have described as orchestrating a coup against the Trump administration. So I'm going to ask you the same question that a majority colleagues asked. Are you aware of any collusion, coordination, or conspiracy by yourself or by any other members of the campaign that we're working with to procure fake Russian information to harm Donald Trump? That's the question. 
in a sworn deposition before the House Intelligence Committee December 2017. Jake Sullivan answered, I mean, you will forgive me if I want to say more than just an emphatic no to that answer, because I find that totally absurd. And it actually reminds me of the moment in the third debate between Hillary and Trump, where Hillary says that Trump is Vladimir Putin's puppet, and Trump turns around and says, no puppet, no puppet, you're the puppet. That is the equivalent of no collusion, no collusion, you're the colluder, you collude it. And I find that kind of an astonishing effort to flip the script on this thing. I mean, the fact is that the entire intelligence committee stood behind the statement that there was Russia collusion. Well, guess what? Four years later, Jake Sullivan's statement is false. It wasn't totally absurd. Why? Because Jake Sullivan put out a tweet in October 2016 championing the now bogus manufactured story. That's not my words. That's the findings of John Durham, that there was a secret communications channel. Such a communications channel, according to John Durham, never existed. The FBI concluded it didn't exist. Yet Jake Sullivan peddled it on social media in October 2016. It wasn't absurd to suggest that this was a fake story, that it was opposition research designed to undermine Trump. It actually was fake opposition research. He did engage in it. And today, because he once perpetrated a Russia lie, his own credibility on the current Russia crisis comes into, I think, fair question, fair scrutiny, fair doubt. Very important stuff. Well, we're going to tackle all this. Just keep that in mind. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, Congressman Rodney Davis, followed by the former CIA station chief for Moscow, Daniel Hoffman, and then finishing out the day, a great State Department advisor, really well-versed on Russia, Ukraine, and the differences between how Trump and Biden have handled Russia. Chiron Skinner joining us. A great show. We're going to talk about the blockbuster revelations of Durham throughout the hour. Stick around. We're going to have a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. 
Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our first guest, very special, Congressman Rodney Davis from the great state of Illinois, the ranking member on House Administration Committee, and a man trying to make the Trump tax cuts permanent. Congressman, good to have you on the show today. Hey, John, thanks for having me on again. Oh, it's an honor to have you on. There's a lot you're doing in Congress. It's very important. I want to just quickly divert. This weekend, there was a A pretty extraordinary court filing from John Durham that really laid out the extent of the Clinton campaign's spying and concocting of the false Russia story. You were instrumental, like so many of the Republicans in Congress, in unraveling that. Your reaction when you hear the Clinton team, the people that are working, were actually went as far as to get data records, seeing what communications were going on inside the Trump White House, his apartment in New York, his Trump Tower. What's your thought when you hear the level of that spying? You know, it's it's a sad day for America that anyone in power, just like Hillary Clinton was in power as the secretary of state and during the Obama administration, that her and her minions that were being funded by her campaign, they created a web that is absolutely treasonous and should never happen in a country like ours. Somebody needs to go to jail for what they tried to do to President Trump and anyone associated with him. Yeah, it's just it's just remarkable. And, you know, one of the things that we're right in the middle of an international crisis, Russia, Ukraine, and there is this guy, Jake Sullivan, national security advisor to uh, President Biden. But in his earlier life as an advisor to Hillary Clinton, he was one of the people peddling that. A false story, uh, uh, particularly the what's known as the Russia Alpha Bank story. Does um, the Biden administration have a credibility gap, particularly related to Russia, when Jake Sullivan's on the world stage? Oh, absolutely they do. I think they have a credibility gap when Jake Sullivan's doing anything related to foreign affairs. You know, I thought Ben Rhodes was probably the worst foreign policy advisor I've ever seen in the yeah. White House. But Jake Sullivan said, hold my beer. I'm not only <laughs> going to have no credibility, I'm going to do something that I know is a direct attack on America and America's freedoms. And that is to spy on a presidential campaign of the other party, create lies 
that they know are not true, trying to link Trump to yeah. Russia before he was president and during. Uh, this is, I mean, these are offenses that need to be investigated. I'm glad Durham is being methodical. I'm glad he's rolling out uh, the accusations because it's proof, proof of what we've been saying for a very long time. Yeah, no doubt. It took a lot of work, a lot of spade work to get that original stories out. But you and your colleagues in the House uh, did it with such great work. And now now we're really getting a full sense of just how bad it was. Now, let me turn to a couple of really important things. You've introduced legislation. A lot of people don't realize the Trump tax cuts are temporary. They're, they have a danger of inspiring, expiring. You want to make them permanent. What sort of reaction are you getting in the House to that? You know, we're getting great reaction. We have upwards of 90 co-sponsors already. Wow. Uh, this is a bill that uh, is, is it, it's required because Democrats in the Senate would not allow the individual Trump tax cuts and the small business Trump tax cuts to be permanent. You know, it's ironic that Democrats didn't put up a fight during our Trump tax cut bill when we made the corporate tax code permanent. Right. But they sure put up a fight trying to deny middle class families the the long term the long term structure and and solvency of a permanent tax cut. And and what we're also seeing are the web of lies that have been coming from the Democrats for so many years. They were, remember, John, they told us the majority of these tax cuts were going to the wealthy. Well, the IRS, I mean I'm I'm glad somebody showed up for work this day, but the IRS a few <laughs> weeks ago put out data and said you know, the majority, the highest percentage of these tax cuts went to middle class families. Yeah. Exactly what President Trump and us said would happen and yep. exactly what has happened. And you see in the current administration with all this inflation, the, the difference in philosophy, right? Republicans want to give the money back to the people in the form of tax cuts. And this, uh, the Democrats want to give it to government to spend more on government programs. How big a concern do you have for inflation going into 2022? It seems like it's really starting to crunch everyday Americans' budgets. It is. Uh, it is one that I see many Americans of all walks of life bringing up as an issue of concern. And I think it's a, a less of an, e you know, think costs are going up. Wages are, are not going as far. Families know that. They know when they put more, they, they put more money into their, their gas tank. They, they pay more at the grocery store. It's affecting every single family. But what is frustrating, I think, to most Americans is they just don't see the administration doing anything about it. The administration and Democrats, for that matter, in Washington, their only solution is to spend trillions more which will exacerbate the inflationary crisis and try to tax American families. I mean, I have yet to meet some of my colleagues in Washington that have yet to, to see a dollar that American families have yet to earn that it's they crazy. don't want to tax and spend. Everyday Americans are just with their jaw open to say, we were hitting 30 trillion in debt. And you go, how much more can we burn on the credit card? There's not much more places to go. Um, you have another piece of very important legislation. A lot of people are talking about it because there were efforts in the last month or so to harness or restrain uh, therapeutics for treating people with COVID based on race. You have introduced a bill to bar racial and ethnic discrimination in COVID-19 treatments. Tell us what inspired that and the reaction you've gotten to it as well. Well, I got to give credit to my colleague, Nicole Maliotakis. Her and I introduced this together. Uh, this is just one of those stories that you heard where you had healthcare facilities denying care and treatments to people based upon race, based upon other factors. I mean, since when did political correctness come to the forefront in saving lives? You know, John, my wife fought cancer 
23 years ago. And when she was sitting in the room getting chemotherapy, there were people from all walks of life, all races, all genders in there with one goal in mind, and that's to save lives. Only COVID has taken the doctor-patient relationship from the forefront and put it behind political scientists. And only COVID would, would start to say, we need to, we need to save lives based upon race. I'm done with this discussion where everybody's a racist when they want everyone to be treated equal. And this is our first attempt to say enough's enough. Save lives, all lives, because all lives matter. That's that's the debate we got to get back to. We got we to take the bigger picture. It's not all of this race pitting races against each other and, and parties against each other. Now, speaking of COVID, it clearly exposed a uh, a weakness in our infrastructure system. Uh, we didn't have the supplies we needed. We learned how dependent we were on China, someone who may not have our best interests. You had a big moment last week when the Critical Infrastructure Manufacturing Feasibility Act passed the House of Representatives. By the way, got through a Democratic House. Talk a little bit about why it's so important to fix the supply chains and bring manufacturing back to the United States. You know, I, I think it, it took a while. I mean, we're we're two years plus into the pandemic. I know. And, uh, and, and, and I think even Democrats realize that we've got to identify what our supply chain shortages are here in America. And that's what my bill does. It, it allows the Department of Commerce to do a study that then we can identify what we're not doing in the United States. And then the long term, what we need to do is incentivize companies to bring manufacturing back to the United States to address these already identified supply chain crisis issues. And, and what I would like to see long-term is, remember, we created a, a great program with the Trump administration called the PPP, yep. where loans were forgiven if, if a certain set of standards were made at the beginning of the pandemic. It helped save Main Streets across America. Why can't, we, why can't we use the same type of program to allow companies to expand into areas, especially in, a rural, in rural America, once they reach a certain production level? Once they reach a level of hiring a certain amount of employees, yep. how about we forgive some of their financing package so that we can bring these products back to the United States? What a novel idea. Are you working on something like that, maybe to create a PPP for uh, the manufacturing expan- expansion? We really are. And as a matter of fact, it's, it's the second step and the first, you know, since the first step, identifying what those, what those products are so that we can, we can then begin to identify what type of manufacturing we have to incentivize to get back to America. What a big idea. That's something we're going to keep an eye on. That's going to be an important one. A lot of people are going to, I'm sure, rally around that. Uh, last thing I want to talk about, because you come from a state where <clears throat> uh, the weakening of law enforcement has led to this incredible spiral of violent crime. Uh, you've been right there uh, supporting law enforcement. Do you feel the debate maybe finally has turned that maybe Democrats realize they overplayed their hand and that this violent crime wave is even a bridge too far for them? Well, I, I still don't think the Democrats have realized it yet because too many of them are trying to walk a fine line yeah. to act like they support our men and women in blue, but then also appease the far left, like uh, my colleague Cory Bush, who continues to say that defunding the police needs to be their priority. Mm. Uh, we've seen the disastrous impacts, and I think, I think violent crime rising in every community is going to help Republicans win at all levels of government. We're certainly looking forward to having a Republican governor again here in Illinois and Republican office holders, and I think we're going to get that. But here's, here's another issue I want to warn your listeners about. We have to be very careful 
because the far left doesn't stop with dumb ideas like defunding our police. Remember, the squad will do anything to defund our men and women and our military, too. And we even have some Republicans in Congress, too, John, that vote with the squad to defund our military. We've got to watch out for that because America, America's men and women in blue are just as important as Americans' men and women in camouflage and in our military uniforms. Uh, on the issue of law enforcement, there are big issues that aren't going to get addressed by the January 6th commission uh, about the readiness of the Capitol Hill police, The um, what uh, Nancy Pelosi and her team may have conveyed in turning down the National Guard. If Republicans get in control, you're the ranking member of that committee, uh, of the House Administration Committee, Do will you go get those answers for the American people in 2023? I guarantee I'll get those answers. Uh, we will make sure that that every preservation and production request that we sent immediately after January 6th is fulfilled. Pelosi and her team cannot stonewall anymore when we're in the majority. And as the chair of House administration, we'll get that information. And if it's destroyed, uh, we will hold individuals criminally liable for destroying that information. But we have to find out why why the Capitol was left in such a terrible security posture. And these are the questions that no one on that January 6th sham committee are asking right now. Well, so important. Well, you, you've had the most important letters, and that preservation letter is the one that gets the ball rolling should there be a change of power at the end of the election this year. Congressman, it's always an honor to have you on the show. I really, I know how busy you are. It's greatly appreciated to get all this wisdom. We're going to be watching those important pieces of legislation over the next few weeks. Well, John, I really appreciate that, and always glad to be on you. All right, sir. Well, good luck out in the field. We'll be, uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, back in touch soon, and I appreciate uh, all the time today. Absolutely. Take care. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to turn to Russia and Ukraine in just a second. Some important new revelations over the weekend. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today 
with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As promised, a very special guest, somebody who understands Russia, Moscow, almost better than anyone in the U.S. government, former station chief for the CIA in Moscow, one of the best intelligence professionals in the business. Joining me right now, Dan Hoffman. Dan, good to have you on the show. Hey, thanks. Uh, Thanks for including me in the program. It's always a pleasure to join you uh, and talk about the the tough national security uh, issues. It is. And this is a tough one, right? We're sitting here. It feels like the brink of war. There's a lot of people worried. The uh, Trump administration, the Biden administration is raising real concerns. Russia's got a big army sitting at the Ukrainian border. But I was struck by something that happened yesterday, and that was the Ukrainian president, Zelensky, supposedly our ally, and uh, said openly, if there's some intelligence of an imminent invasion, which is what some of the Biden administration people were talking on TV yesterday, could they share it with me? Because I haven't seen it. When a world leader says that about the United States, what's going on? Could you referee what might be going on there? Yeah, well, listen, the relationship between the United States and Ukraine is strained right now, to say the least, because... Russia's got 130,000 troops on the border. President Zelensky, rightly so, is, is questioning, well, where's the intelligence? If it really is there, uh, then I'd kind of like a little more military assistance, something to help me right. uh, induce the Russians to withdraw their troops. But let me just um, offer this to, to the listeners. Um, this administration, the Biden administration, is kind of substituting diplomacy for releasing, uh, declassifying intelligence, thinking that by declassifying intelligence, they're going to influence Vladimir Putin's behavior. Right. Um, I think that's frankly a little bit lazy. Um, That isn't how we influence Putin's behavior. We haven't influenced his behavior at all. He's got, you know, all of his um, military capacity lined up in the Black Sea and the military exercises in Belarus. The threat is ongoing. And I think it makes the Biden administration, uh, you know, maybe they think they're doing something by releasing, you know, uh, intelligence that, frankly, I think it's possible Vladimir Putin is feeding us anyways. Um, but that's that's not a substitute for diplomacy, real diplomacy. And I think that's where we're failing right now. Yeah, what you said is very profound. So I want to unpack it in two, two, two uh, follow-ups here. First off, you are seeing the Biden administration putting out classified information, what we believe we're gathering about Russia's intentions, because they we think that that's the best way to get them to stop invading Ukraine. Am I, am I reading your comments right? Yeah, so for example, there was this intelligence, uh, purported intelligence that the Russians uh, were going to make a, a propaganda video, right. a, a pretext to launch a war. Uh, and so by going public with our collection, we think we stop them from doing that. Well, first of all, that, that that's really going to stop Russia from invading. That's a pretty <laughs> small thing. And I think Vladimir of different options that he could pull, pull on, you know, to start a war against Ukraine. And he's got lots of different places to do it. But what we did risk uh, was compromising our collection. And Vladimir Putin, as a KGB guy, is aware of that. So I'm sure he's got a long list of all the intelligence that we are releasing to the public. And he's just looking at his list and thinking, okay, well, this this piece of our communication might be compromised, and that one is as well. And when we have something to say that's secret, uh, we need to avoid those communications that the United States is clearly uh, penetrating. And so we may have burned some intelligence channels that we were monitoring in this effort for uh, a diplomatic solution. Is that a fair way of looking at it? Yeah, but it's not even a solution. It's just a lazy way of thinking you're doing something when you're not. You know, we have not framed the, the, really the challenge effectively. I'd like to see uh, the pre- President Biden get up on the bully pulpit and say, listen, this isn't about NATO membership. This is about Russia 
trying to break Ukraine's ties to the West. You know, the, first economically, that's why they launched the not Patriot attack in 2017 to right. make Ukraine an inhospitable place for commerce. Uh, second is to destabilize Ukraine politically so that Russia can interfere in the parliamentary elections in 23 and the presidential elections in 24. We've already seen, by the way, a lot of capital flight from Ukraine and Zelensky's ratings, if you believe in them, you know, they're, they, they are plunged to new low levels because of this crisis. Uh, you know, and then the third thing is Russia's wants kind of veto power over Ukraine's foreign policy. And that, that I think is what Putin is aiming for and why he hasn't withdrawn his troops. It's why he continues to talk to the United States and why he continues to negotiate. But he's, he's waiting for, uh, an agreement on the part of the West to capitulate and give the Donbass region some veto power over Ukraine's domestic and foreign policy. Yeah, he's extorting concessions. He is. That's the right word for yeah. it, and he's good at it. And uh, I think, frankly, we are um, failing to read the Kremlin uh, for all the complexity that it is. This doesn't take intel- intelligence from the CIA to know this stuff. Right. It's all out there. They've got all these troops out there. We know what they're doing. It just takes good kind of old-fashioned diplomacy that we used to see when I was growing up from the Reagan administration. Yeah, that's such a great point. And, you know, the the last times they invaded, they invaded Georgia in 2008, they invaded uh, Crimea in 2014. It wasn't like they had a long, drawn-out, hey, we're about to invade, check all our troops out. It happened very quickly. And and in the case of Georgia, I think we were caught off guard a little bit. Um, why Why is this administration not able to see what's going on? So my, when I was at the CIA, my, one of my concerns about the Obama administration was that they saw the world the way they wanted to see it, the way they wished it would be. I used to have arguments about that with uh, former director of CIA, John Brennan, where I would bring him the intelligence and say, hey, I'm sorry, the world isn't exactly the way yeah. you know, you'd like it to be, but this is it. I'm, I'm sorry. Russia... We, we, I had disagreements over Russia, over, over Afghanistan, over Syria. Um, sometimes, you know, the bottom line intelligence assessment is, is harsh. And I think that's what this administration is kind of struggling with. They've talked about a longer and stronger deal with Iran. That's like Don Quixote windmill stuff. Same thing uh, with a stable and predictable relationship with Russia. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And when Vladimir Putin heard that that's what we want, he knew that the best thing he could do was give us unstable, unpredictable, yeah. and then charge us a hefty price to go back to something that's like not even close to stable and predictable, but at least not, you know, a World War Three. And it's funny, this uh, the Obama and then the extension of Biden administration, they've been trying to get a reboot. There is no chance for a reboot. That's not how Vladimir Putin was never looking for a reboot. He, he was he was looking to, you know, recreate the Russian empire as best as he sees it in his mind. And he's just playing chess. And sometimes we're, I don't know, maybe we're playing tiddlywinks, it feels like. Um, Jake Sullivan's been the face of this. He is the national security advisor, obviously. Uh, played an important role for Hillary Clinton. We're going to talk about that in a second. But is he up to the job? Do you see a national security team around Joe Biden capable of navigating this, or are we really outmanned right now? Yeah, so my concern about about Jake Sullivan is just, I think it was his responsibility to translate the president's policy on Afghanistan into, um, into directing our national security teams, the Department of Defense, the intelligence community, State Department, into one coordinated effort to ensure that we took care of our national security. And that was kind of an, uh, a failure on, on all accounts, unfortunately. You know, we left behind a terrorist state. 
uh, with massive swaths of ungoverned space. We learned that, you know, from 9-11 that that's, that's a very much a risk to the region, yeah. but also to our homeland. And we did not get all our, our citizens out as, as President Biden had promised. And so, you know, the job of the National Security Advisor is kind of build a 360-degree optics. You understand what's going on as best as possible. And then engage your team, your entire national security team, to achieve a unity of mission. I'm concerned that based on what we've seen so far, he's struggling with that. And, and, and again, when I was, was growing up, you know, Brent Scowcroft was kind of the model national security advisor who did all those things extraordinarily well. Yep. Uh, and I, I just think, you know, I, and I'm not minimizing the complexity of withdrawing from Afghanistan or dealing with Russia or the Iran nuclear deal which you know is a, is a mess or north korea and terrorism and other things that are challenging but i'm just the national security advisor's got to be able to do a better job that's all yeah i think there's a lot of concern about about his handling and going back to afghanistan really it's sort of been a continuous problem of being unable to get a whole of government response that actually makes uh, advances the american interest um, you obviously done a lot of work and you've seen the russia collusion case uh, unravel in ways big and small uh, the John Durham uh, revelations this weekend that what started with the Hillary Clinton campaign and then continued on into the early Trump presidency may have involved gathering or spying on the DNS data for Donald Trump's home, his uh, Trump Tower, and maybe even the White House, according to Durham. When you look back now, how big a bombshell is that? So I think we're waiting for all the facts to come in. My, I'll be honest with this, com- took me completely by surprise, yeah. uh, I'll be honest, which is like, gosh, you don't want to be surprised. Um, but I think a lot of us were like, even in my wildest imagination, I didn't foresee this, but, but it almost looks like to me, at least, at least at the very least, like tampering with, with evidence, like there's no evidence. I mean, they're just, they're, they're placing kind of evidence of wrongdoing in the Trump campaign, which wasn't there in the first place. That's, there's gotta be some, some legal term. I'm not a lawyer, but there's gotta be some legal term for how bad that is. So I want to know, Whose plan was this? Whose idea was this? Who are all the people who were involved in it? I think we're at the tip of a big giant iceberg, man. This is this is disconcerting. You know, this is not the way that uh, that campaigns should be run. Like, let it happen fairly. Debate the ideas. Maybe you like the Republicans' ideas, or maybe you like the Democrats. That's all okay. But none of the dirty pool stuff that you know Democrats rail about, rightly so, over Watergate and. You know, but we shouldn't be doing the 21st century version of that in cyberspace. Yeah, yeah, it really is remarkable. And at least the FBI got sucked into it. It looks to me like the CIA and the NSA kind of warned people that things were going on. There are these intercepts of Hillary Clinton that are now public. Did she authorize this dirty trick? And then the CIA is constantly warning the FBI, hey, Christopher Steele's compromised. Hey, uh, Carter Page is our guy. What are you doing? Um, uh, and then the CIA warns the FBI, hey, be careful. There's an intercept suggesting Hillary Clinton uh, authorized a dirty trick for the campaign. But the FBI's uh, inability to separate itself and to get in, entangled in a two, three year investigation on something that turned out to be not true. Uh, what, when you look at it, obviously you look at it from a CIA perspective, but uh, what, what does it say about the state of the FBI? Certainly in 2015, 16 under James Comey. Well, I mean, it, I wouldn't say it says something about the whole FBI writ large because the FBI does a lot of great things. They, sure you know, they, they, they protect our, our, our national security. They yep. stop terrorist threats. They put their lives on the line every day. I, I've, gone out and served with FBI agents 
all over the world, and they're some of the finest human beings I've ever had the honor of knowing and with whom I've worked or, uh, on, on really some incredible challenges. But on this particular instance, where they were intertwined with, with a, an investigation based on faulty collection from Christopher Steele and a, and a so-called dossier, I mean, we've, we've gone over that. That does not speak well to certain individuals uh, who are responsible for counterintelligence. And so you could draw conclusions about whatever else they were doing in addition to the Russia stuff and question, you know, their their ability to do the job on that. And that's yeah. disconcerting. And it's disconcerting to folks within the FBI uh, who no are doubt. concerned about the way some of their colleagues were working. But I, I wouldn't call it a stain on the whole FBI, but for sure, this is one they got to fix. They've got to clean this up and and it's got to see the light of day. That's how we do things in the United States. It's painful. But at the end of the day, democracy demands that we own up to our uh, our mistakes, we learn from them, and we are better as a result of that. Yeah, such an important uh, dynamic. We saw it after 9-11. We saw it in the 70s. It's a great long history of, of learning from mistakes. I hope that that actually becomes the learnings here, that we become better from this. It still feels like we don't know the whole story, which is hard to believe six years in. Right. Last question. I agree. Uh, Jake Sullivan, now the face of the National Security Advisor, but back in 2016, in October 2016, he was the face of a series of statements and tweets by Hillary Clinton's campaign that bantied about this false allegation that there was an Alpha Bank secret backdoor that Donald Trump was using to speak to Vladimir Putin and hijack the election. The FBI repeatedly knocked that down. John uh, Robert Mueller knocked it down. Now uh, John Durham says it was never true. But uh, uh, Sullivan was the guy putting it out at the end of the campaign. In 2017, he's asked about it in, in his deposition with the House Intelligence Committee. He says, are you aware of any collusion, coordination, or conspiracy by yourself or by any other member of the campaign that you were working with to procure fake Russian information to harm Donald Trump? And he basically says, I want to say more than no to that. I want to say I was totally absurd. How does how does that now play? He's a guy that Americans and yeah. world leaders have to trust. He got sucked into whether knowingly or unknowingly, unwittingly, right. he got sucked into spreading a bad story. I mean, the first part of this story, when you you know you talk about the pings, yep. What concerned me about that part, just the first piece of this, is if you're the national security advisor or you're the foreign policy advisor for presidential candidate uh, Secretary Hillary Clinton, you've got to be able to look at the information and vet it before you make conclusions. So he was kind of, you know, taking, starting with his conclusion, well, you know, then candidate Trump must be, must be uh, working for the Kremlin. So here we go. This is, this is a link that we all know existed, but he never challenged his own assumptions and he never challenged the information he was receiving, whether that was more nefarious that he actually knew about information that was being uh, created to make it appear as if there was some connection between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin. Boy, that would make it even worse. Right. Uh, I just think this is this one is going to be potentially. I mean, listen, I'm not I'm not a, a, an expert on politics like you are. I just I just wonder whether all of a sudden at those press briefings, uh, the media is going to start asking him about this. Yeah. And he may find it very hard to break away and actually deal with the national security threats for which he's responsible as opposed to this kind of poison pill that uh, that the campaign, but he also appears to have swallowed. 
Yeah, it is a remarkable thing, and it's it's remarkable that it could stay. Uh, it, it's taken six years to unravel part of the onion. I don't think we were all the way there. Dan, I know why we uh, enjoy having you on. You always give us a straight scoop and, and, and stick to the facts and that intelligence training that you have, and that makes you such a unique asset in Washington, and I just want to thank you for the time today. Oh, listen, thanks for having me on. I always appreciate our conversation. You know, you are uh, you ask the most insightful questions, and I for sure think you bring out the best in whatever, I, whatever analysis I've got. You know, <laughs> you're bringing out the best in it, so I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. You're a trusted treasure in this country, so thank you so much for the time today. My pleasure. Take care. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk to one of Mike Pompeo's former advisors at the State Department about the situation in Russia, Ukraine. Stay tuned. Going to be a fun conversation right after this commercial break. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. My next guest is an extraordinary expert on the world, on diplomacy, on what's going on right now in, between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, was a very important advisor at the State Department under Donald Trump, has held various campaign ad- advisory positions for people like Speaker Newt Gingrich, Senator Rand Paul, Donald Trump uh, during the campaign and is really one of the most learned folks in Washington when it comes to foreign policy. Joining me right now is Dr. Kyron Skinner. Dr. Skinner, good to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, uh, John, for inviting me and, um, you know, for those really kind words. I'm also, the audience should know, an admirer of yours. Um, You're at the forefront of how news is going to be consumed in the future. Um, I really wish you the best and um, I'm happy to just play a small part in um, delivering an important conversation to the informed audience that listens to you. Oh, very kind of you. I, listen, you you've been making in, you've been informing in people for a long time in the State Department. Particularly, you look at this moment right now, where you have the United States constantly warning that Russia is about to invade. There's a false flag operation. A lot of weird intelligence. By the way, makes me wonder whether Putin's letting us intercept this to play games with us. But how do you assess? the current situation in Ukraine and how the Biden administration has handled it? That's the um, million-dollar question. It's hard <laughs> to, to answer it in any, um, you know, any short amount of time. We'd have to spend all day. But right. what I can say is that um, the, um, I think Ukraine is, a, in some ways, and I hate to put it this way, it's a false crisis. I mean, the, and someone would say, why would you say that? Because there's been in a war of attrition going on between Kiev sure. and Moscow for 
uh, for eight years now. Um, I say that because um, not so much that there was a containment strategy under the Trump administration, but there was a, a deterrent strategy that was working. Um, the Javelin anti-tank missiles that were being delivered um, by the Trump administration, the kinds of support that contrasted um, the Trump White House from the Obama White House was being noticed um, by um, Moscow, even though it continued um, its menacing inside of Ukraine with separatist movements and so forth. Um, but there was an understanding that uh, what Trump said he meant, what he meant um, would lead to action. That's why uh, the North Korean dictator was contained. That's why Russia was contained. That's why China was so extremely nervous about the trade policy of the Trump administration. These unprecedented moves toward um, a return to deterrence of the Reagan era, really, I think, the first time since Reagan. That's one point. Um, and, and as a result of just that one point that I mentioned, which really constitutes um, Trump's grand strategy, I think it's unlikely that Russia would be in this place now. I've said on air in the past couple of weeks um, repeatedly um, that I felt that um, Putin was probing, he was, he, that he didn't want an invasion, right. that he'd rather just take the place over. Um, and there was a sense that he had that maybe he could, um, that this administration had so um, destroyed of 20 years of Afghanistan commitment, that it, why would it care about Ukraine so far away from um, um, the United States, not under Article 5 protection of, of, um, of NATO, um, and that being, you know, mutual defense for your listeners. Right. Um, and Afghanistan, um, even though it's all the way in Southwest Asia, um, he looked at it and said, the U.S., um, you know, threw away um, trillions of dollars of life, tr um, treasure, military equipment, reputation. It's just not going to respond. But it wasn't just Afghanistan. It was everything that happened in year one that said this administration doesn't know what it's doing, doesn't want to do very much, wants to pivot out of the Middle East, go back to the Obama, pivot toward Asia, um, and it said it would do more with Europe, it would heal the transatlantic relationship. None of that happened. And so I think we're in a moment now where Washington, as far away um, from Central and Eastern Europe as it, as it is, is at the center of why this is happening. And that's what is so worrisome to me, because I don't think that this administration is updating itself fast enough um, to really understand what's at stake. In the middle of all of this, it issues an Indo-Pacific strategy the other day. Right. That's okay. Um, we do need an update on the strategy that was um, articulated, thought through, written, and written by the Trump administration. Um, but it needs to be able to do more than one thing at a time and when it does more than one thing at a time, those activities need to connect. They need to constitute a grander strategy than it has right now. Yeah, 
and that's what a lot of people keep talking about. There doesn't seem to be, it seems like they're flopping about and reactive, but there isn't a core strategy, a core value system to driving some of these decisions. Now, you do a lot of analysis. Obviously, you're a professor of international relations at Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, you, you work at uh, America's First Priority uh, Policy Institute as a board uh, member of the Board of Academic Advisors. There's a moment this weekend that caught me completely off guard. It's captured perfectly by the Associated Press in an article. The Ukrainian president, Zelensky, actually on live air on Ukrainian television said, if someone knows about this U.S. intelligence of an imminent invasion or false flag operation, could they please share it with me? Because I don't have it. I don't see it. No one's given it to me. When our ally, the one we say we're protecting with all of these warnings, says the U.S. hasn't given him the intelligence and he's wondering if anyone could provide it to him, what does that say about the, the relationship between Washington and Kiev right now? Um, it says, I, I think that there's a level of um, distrust that should not be there coming out of um, Kiev, and that's, a, that's highly problematic when we say we're supposed to um, defend um, that that nation, um, and it says also that there is a distrust of American intelligence. And um, you know, at at the height of the Cold War, we were known for some of the best intelligence in the world. Yeah. It was our intelligence combined with our diplomacy, um, which constituted a whole set of, of relationships around the world, um, and our military might that ultimately defeated the Soviet Union. But when your allies and partners and near friends um, aren't confident that you are using the best intelligence, that you even know how to do intelligence that relates to their region, um, I think it suggests a fundamental problem in the relationship. Um, And this, I think, goes back um, to the 2016 presidential campaign. That's supposed to be about American domestic politics. But on the Democratic side, there were intelligence failures. The, you know, the Russian dossier, right. um, all of these issues, the world was watching, not just um, the American electorate. And so American intelligence sometimes now is being held, you know, with a very distant arm. Um, and I have also thought not to dispute the intelligence that this administration is using. I would not do that. I've not seen Um, what they are seeing, and I'm not at the table. But I would say as someone who's been a consumer of intelligence for a couple of decades at the Pentagon, at the State Department, um, and throughout the federal government and interagency, um, you know, when you say intelligence, that's a complicated matter, and you have to bring a lot more nuance to the conversation. We've got um, nearly 20 intelligence agencies. Sometimes they agree, sometimes they don't. Um, I think it's been important and incumbent upon this administration to give a more nuanced understanding to the public about what intelligence they're talking about, where it's coming from, what's the competitive thought process, what does it look like. Americans are a lot more sophisticated um, than I think sometimes our our Washington um, Beltway types give them credit for and they will support you if they understand. Um, and if you, they are treated with the respect that they deserve when, when a matter has to do with something um, as close to our hearts as a potential war, of which we may be involved in in some way, even if we are not you know, sending our, 
our men and women to, you know, have kinetic engagement with the Russians. Yeah, such an important thing. And you talked about the distrust that the rest of the world has gained over the last five to 10 years for Western intelligence and specifically U.S. intelligence. Jake Sullivan is the current national security advisor. He has been one of the largest uh, people on TV warning. Uh, a few weeks ago, it was, there's a false flag operation. They're going to manufacture an event. That didn't happen. Now he's predicting there might be an invasion on Wednesday. He's one of the people who peddled a lot of the false collusion allegations during the uh, campaign in 2016. And just after we know that, because he testified he did, that he did go and talk to reporters about it. Uh, he's named in the indictment of uh, Michael Sussman, a Clinton campaign lawyer. Does Jake Sullivan's own credibility come into question now if he's talking about Russia when people on the West in Ukraine know well? He also gave us the bad story of Russia collusion. How does that factor into how people assess Jake Sullivan and trust him? Yes, I, I can't say what um, the leadership in, in, in um, Ukraine is thinking about this White House and the various characters who populate it, as well as the State and Defense Department. But I'm sure, based on what you've just said, they have a lot of questions about uh, pronouncements coming out um, from those very people um, about intelligence that relates to their life and death. I think that that would absolutely be the case. Um, but I think um, this goes to why your podcast and others like it are so important. Even though um, people like Jake Sullivan and others have testified. There's a public, there's a public file, there's a public record that one can easily find about their statements. The mainstream media doesn't cover um, what they did and connect the dots to what they did during 2016 and later, and what they're doing now. And so the narrative, the truthful narrative, isn't out because this also bears upon how the American public should filter the statements about an imminent um, invasion um, by um, Putin's um, military. And so this is a, a bigger um, existential problem. And um, I think it's part of the crisis that we're facing in our nation, why we're so divided, um, that we've got a mainstream media, a mainstream thought community that actually doesn't um, allow um, competitive thought and a lot of the facts to come out. And in fact, what they do is say that um, the other side is the problem, um, but they never face up to the profound impact they're having on our system. It, it is just remarkable to see that. In fact, competitive thought is actually punished sometimes in, in the current environment, which is so bad for our country because debate has always been at the heart of its existence. Now, one of the things I love about uh, America First Policy Institute is that you're not only focused on identifying problems, you're identifying uh, solutions. When you see the state of the U.S. intelligence community, you see the state of the Biden administration's relationship with uh, Europe, you, you, you contrast the way Europe reacted to Donald Trump and his policies versus Biden. How can President Biden fix this? Is there any way for him to get uh, some of this under control or does it require a change in leadership before we're going to get a wholesale solution? So I think your latter um, statement is the, um, the statement, the bigger yeah. statement and the one that I think has to happen is that um, to get a wholesale shift um, back to something like the Trump doctrine based on America First principles, it will take a new administration. But 
you know, we're American patriots, and I support um, my commander-in-chief, my president, and I want him to succeed, because if he succeeds, my nation succeeds. So um, anything that we can do um, in the thought community, uh, we should be doing. And I think that means really pressing this administration on, um, you know, its arguments, its hypotheses, its policies, um, and trying to um, be engaged the way that America First Policy Institute is on kind of track to, um, you know, speaking um, to the American public, being engaged with foreign leaders in the, in the ways that we can, or foreign intellectual communities. All of that we should be doing on steroids now, because I believe that this administration will have to listen. And so the, the more, the louder our voices, the more of them, the more specific our arguments. Um, I think it will make some shift in this administration um, because I think it's beginning to realize, based on the um, monthly failures in 2021, that um, they can't continue to ignore um, what we're saying. They can't dismiss all of our statements as, you know, bitter people who lost an election um, or pro-Trump people who um, don't know what they're doing and are absolutely crazy. It turns out that Trump had um, very interesting um, and unprecedented and unconventional um, instincts and hunches when he ran in 2016. He went into the middle of the country. I've been in southwestern Pennsylvania for 22 years, he came into our territory and in those 30-odd flyover states, and he talked about foreign policy issues that um, political operatives would have advised against, saying those won't help you get elected. He talked about the need for um, burden sharing, and in particular, NATO. Um, Most scholars had not, um, and experts, had not done a lot of work um, diving deeply into the problems of NATO. But when he talked about that in 2016, NATO had 29 members. Now it has 30, with North Macedonia having joined two years ago. And he talked about the fact that only four or five of the NATO countries were living up to the Wells Pledge of 2% of GDP for defense. Um, And everything he said, his hunches actually were really right. And by the time he left office, eight or nine or more countries in NATO were paying 2% of GDP toward defense. It's a remarkable achievement. It doesn't ever get talked about. He talked about these esoteric, wonky issues, but they connected to the American public. He talked about greater reciprocity in trade deals and all international agreements. He talked about, let's start with bilateral ones instead of these huge multilateral deals that are hard to know um, what's going on in the agreement. He talked about the importance of political and territorial um, integrity, the essence of sovereignty as, the, as um, the core responsibility of a national government. And he repeated all of these um, in a, with a lot more elegance at every time he went to the UN General Assembly. That body of work represents, I think, the first grand strategy for the United States in the 21st century. We've seen nothing close come out of this administration. But the problem for Trump was um, that he needed his cabinet and his sub-cabinet to take his hunches and instincts, 
turn them into hypotheses, represent them to him, and say these are the directions for public policy. That actually never happened. And I think it, while the Biden administration is highly problematic for the reasons that you and I have just outlined, um, that the never-Trump Republicans who wiggled their way in as political appointees into the Trump administration did as much, if not more, damage because they were right there um, in the administration, in the interagency, and they didn't take the president seriously enough. Big mistake. Yeah, a lost opportunity. Uh, Dr. Skinner, how can people, we only got a few seconds of, how can people follow the great work you're continuing to do? So um, follow me on Twitter. My handle is Kyron, K-I-R-O-N, last name Skinner, S-K-I-N-N-E-R, as one word. Right. Um, and um, just follow, please, America First Policy Institute. Um, it's a, a remarkable organization that I think is perhaps the most important um, post-Trump administration think tank research center um, that has emerged. Yeah, no it's doubt. going to take the um, ideas of the president and really define them. You know, Reagan, um, I wrote a couple of books on Reagan a couple of decades ago that became New York Times bestsellers. And I say this to my students all the time. Reagan got elected in 1980 largely because of the hard intellectual work done in think tanks and some in the universities yeah. before they were all captured in the 50s and 60s. That's right. We're going to have to speed up now um, to get someone elected in 2024. Trump got elected in 2016 on the sheer strength of his own work, but that's not a sustainable model. And AFPI is going to help recreate that kind of intellectual community around America First principles that we saw in the 1950s and 60s with Russell Kirk and Henry Regnery and Bill Buckley. Bill Buckley, for sure. Yeah. So I'm happy to be part of that community. It's a very exciting time, and we have, we have so many great guests from there, yourself included. It's just an honor to have you, and we're going to get you back on soon because I have a funny feeling the world is going to be a very complicated place in 2022. Dr. Skinner, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Such an honor. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back to wrap things up in just a second. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Report. So glad you can join me. So glad you could be part of the show today. Three prominent voices all said the same thing. Jake Sullivan has a credibility problem. Somebody should go to prison for what happened in the Russia collusion. Hillary Clinton dirty trick. 
and there is a credibility gap for the United States. Just remember what Chiron Skinner just said. The U.S. intelligence community is no longer that esteemed in the Western world's eyes because of all the shenanigans related to Russia. There is a long-term consequence to what the dirty trick that Hillary Clinton used the intelligence committee for. It's still having consequence today, five, six years after it was first perpetrated. Important stuff. Really glad that you could join us for the debate, for the thing. We want to give you the facts and let you make up your own mind. And that's what we did today. Very excited to have done that. Now, before we go, hey, just remember, folks, if you're dying for some good seafood, I am. I just had an incredible seafood dinner over the weekend, all provided by my good friends at Wild Alaskan. They are among the best providers of sustainable, fresh caught seafood delivered right to your door and you can get $15 off the first box. How do you do that? Well, by going to wildalaskancompany.com slash just news, wildalaskancompany.com slash just news, $15 off your first box. That's an incredible savings. Once you start getting these fish delivered to your home, you can't stop. It's incredible, incredible salmon and prawns and haddock great fish some of the best halibut some of my favorite fish great tasting sealed in that package frozen set at your door you stick it in your freezer you pull it out on five minutes notice and you've got a restaurant quality seafood dinner right in your own home go today they support us you can go support them how do you do that go to wildalaskancompany.com slash just news for the best deal on the market 15 dollars off your first box of wild alaskan seafood all right folks that wraps it up We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to be talking about this Durham revelation for a long time to come. This is important, big breaking news all day long here at Just the News. Check out the latest headlines and updates as the day goes on. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country, the United States. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member 
at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.